For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of work. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Happy Tuesday, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. Who or what are you celebrating today? There's so much to celebrate if we take the time to do so. And I'd like to begin tonight by celebrating the legacy of Angela Lansbury. She has been a part of my life, my entire life. Uh, I made my debut when I was 13 years old in our community theater production of uh, MAME in Conway, South Carolina. And of course, getting cast in that show and listening to the cast recording, I fell in love with her. And of course, there was Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, uh, which opened uh, just around the same time that I was doing that. And then the television specials like Mrs. Santa Claus. And of course, CBS had uh, Murder, She Wrote. So she's been in our hearts and our homes for so long. So today, I raise a glass and a cup to Angela Lansbury, Dame Angela Lansbury, and I thank her for the gifts that she's given to the world, and she will continue to give. Thank God for film and television. As Liza Minnelli says, and that's entertainment, you can hold those moments like this, and they are there forever. But tonight, we are also celebrating uh, a man that I am meeting for the first time. I am so excited that he said yes to being here. Uh, <laughs> we've gone back and forth uh, trying to get him on the show with his busy nice. schedule. Uh, so, Eric, I want to begin tonight uh, by asking, as I ask all of our guests, uh, who or what are you celebrating tonight? Uh, well, I celebrated uh, Dame Angela a little bit on Instagram this evening. I mean, I actually told her in person that, um, you know, one of the first albums I ever checked out of the public library when I was 12 or 13 was the MAME album. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it was, she was here in this shop and, um, you know, uh, it was, it's wonderful for me to meet people, uh, that, uh, you know, I have such admiration for. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's one of the things I'm celebrating today. So, well, I say how lucky you and I both are, uh, that, uh, I mean, I grew up uh, with so many of the Id uh, icons and idols that I've loved uh, that I have gotten to know as personal friends, as colleagues. I've shared stages with them. And Murder, She Wrote, <laughs> a lot of friends that have become very good friends of mine in later years uh, all appeared on Murder, She Wrote. Yes. Uh, Linda Pearl and Carol Cook and John Shook. And, and every night, it's like there's a new episode, and I always check the credits at the beginning to see if someone that I know is going to be on the show, and nine times out of ten, they are. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. So, you know, today also, believe it or not, I mean, the strange holidays that come up, is uh, National Kimberly Day. And I want to ask you if there are any special Kimberleys in your life. I'm not sure what that means. What does that mean? I, Do you know anyone by the name of Kim or Kimberly? That is uh, well, I have a niece named Kimberly. Yes, I mean, uh, I haven't seen her for years. She's uh, 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 my brother's uh, uh, wife's daughter, and uh, she's living in North Carolina right now. Um, you know, I think she's a grandmother by now. I met her when she was eight, or maybe six. You know, so wow. yes, well, we'll celebrate. So it's just a day for Kimberly's. Is that what it's it is? A day for Kimberly's today. <laughs> 
Well, I want to go back. I mean, looking at your history and so many, uh, I have several designer friends and they all got the bug early on in terms of, you know, designing for their mom and their sister, such as you have based on your bio. Um, right. you grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Yes. Uh, and was it, I mean, were you exposed to the theater or the arts around that time? Or was it just what you were seeing with your mom and your sister that you wanted to design? Um, it was a lot of things, you know, um, uh, I, um, I literally, uh, my mother made her own clothes um, and uh, um, I'm the youngest of uh, four boys and uh, I have my sister who's younger. And, um, uh, you know, I literally picked up a dress pattern and uh, read the instructions as I am wont to do and it made complete sense to me. And so um, I just started um, making things. I started making Barbie doll clothes um, and, um, uh, you know, and then I, um, got into the uh, stage crew and became the costume de department. And uh, uh, my mother was a huge Betty Davis fan. Uh, and surprise, surprise, I, I'm gay. And so <laughs> well, today, is, uh, today is also National Coming Out Day. Right. And so, so let's both uh, acknowledge that. Yes. And so, uh, you know, it's just um, uh, I've never really been so, uh, interested in fashion. I've, I've always felt that the point of fashion is to make everything you own look out of style. And I, I like the quality of telling a story with uh, the clothes that we make and, um, you know, uh, and contributing to uh, to a show in that way. Uh, it's really it's great. So, um, you know, that's how I got started. Uh, it's just I just just interest, you know. Now, I read once that you know, Olivia de Havilland said that when Walter Plunkett, who designed the costumes for Gone with the Wind, he came in and he had these elaborate pantaloons underneath the costumes. <laughs> and she went to him and she said, you are wasting so much money because nobody will ever see these. And he said, but you'll know what they feel like. You know what they are going to feel. And it's going to help uh, your character. And she said, sure enough, as soon as she got into those costumes, it really... Uh, helped define who she was as Melanie in yes. the win. Uh, but once you started doing the work, were you, when did you first become aware that there was a world out there that you could be a part of uh, carrying the things that you loved most onto the next level? Well, uh, it, um, you know, um, uh, it's, I ended up at Temple University. Um, uh, I had applied to Cal Arts when I was 18, when I was a senior in college, and I didn't get in. And, you know, um, uh, my parents didn't really see the value of a college education, and I was determined to get a college education. And so I didn't even remember applying to Temple University. And uh, I remember that the application fee only cost $20. And uh, I didn't have to write an essay. And so I just sent it in and I got accepted. And um, as luck would have it, that was one of the best theater schools you could go to on the East Coast. And it was in my backyard. And uh, so, um, you know, I remember uh, after the first semester uh, during Christmas break, I had to go and re-register, uh, drop ad, that whole thing. And I, and I thought, 
I'm going to go and find that costume shop. I know it's in that building somewhere. And, uh, you know, I remember the day I met my cutting and draping teacher, uh, Colleen Callahan, you know, she, she was there working. Um, and she said, uh, she said, <laughs> she was a little cranky lady. And so uh, she just was like, well, you know, we're not really here to tell, teach people how to sew. And I said, well, I already know how to sew. And, <laughs> and uh, later she said to me, when I said that, she thought, yeah, right. And, you know, I actually, you know, there I was the, within the first week I was there at the costume shop, you know, and I, uh, um, uh, you know, I just volunteered, you know, and, uh, you know, show me what to do. And, um, uh, you know, um, and then I, uh, that summer, I, she hired me to go to Villanova University for their summer theater program and work with her. I mean, when, when I found out that this was a job that I could have, I wanted this job. There was no question. <laughs> so before you went to college, did you have any opportunities designing for any other theater company? Oh, uh, you know, I did my um, high school plays and, um, you know, uh, uh, we did Hello, Dolly and, uh, you know, a nice, simple, you know, I mean, uh, I mean, forget it. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. And so, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a, it, is there you know, a sketch anywhere of that first Dolly dress that you designed? Um, actually, no, there's no, I, I do have pictures of, uh, of, the uh those costumes uh though i mean um you know and um uh but you know i mean it was i it was it's what you do you know and i and i mean all that time i was you know figuring it out as far as um you know learning that uh or seeing that you could take this sleeve from this pattern and put it onto this pattern and you know how you can create uh, something that looks like a teen's dress out of a simplicity pattern, you know, I mean, um, just, uh, or my version of a teen's dress. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I mean, the fabric was cheap as dirt and I. <laughs> well, once great. you got into this costume shop and you, you're working in the shop and you prove yourself to them, when did you start moving forward in terms of moving beyond being part of the uh, costume shop to going to the next level uh, as far as pursuing this as a career? Um, well, um, I, um, you know, I did my four years at Temple University and uh, I was sort of wandering or wandering around, uh, not, not really sure what to do, whether to move into design or, you know, not really, or I, graduate school, you know, I was, I didn't have any money. I, and, uh, and I got the call from, um, Houston opera to go and be their resident costumer there. And, uh, so I took the job and, um, you know, it was, I took it, I, I was there for three seasons. It was, uh, it was a wonderful opportunity in the end. Uh, you know, I have a, a great education in opera and, um, and, and the other thing that it taught me, um, was, um, you know, when you're in a, in college, you're, you don't ever get that theater experience like you do, uh, when you're, when you're working for a professional company and, you know, there's, they have three dress rehearsals, right? And so the first one looks terrible. The second one's a bit better. And then 
the the third one they invite everybody the lights are there it's all of a sudden comes together and everybody's you know everybody's been marking up to that point i didn't know what that was and so all of a sudden boom there it is and you have this incredible experience you know in the theater mm -hmm. it, um you know uh and you, you once you once you get that you just it's it's a drug you you need to go after it you 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 have to you have to keep doing that you know and uh uh so you yeah. said you were there for three years how long was their season and what did you do during the off times uh, of the their seasons well my boyfriend uh from temple university uh he had moved to new york and um so the uh the contract was from like september to june or you know something like that it was a nine-month contract mm -hmm. and uh you know we did uh you know uh, we had sutherland came through and uh domingo and uh marilla franey and you know i mean i had uh wonderful opportunities to to meet big stars of opera and um uh and then i would um come to new york i would either design a show at villanova university or i would just um uh just sort of start, um, you know, just pal around with my boyfriend who worked for a costume shop and uh, uh, that did menswear. And, um, uh, you know, um, pick up pick up alterations on the side or something like that, you know, but not so much, you know, and then I would have to drive back to Houston and get started. But, um, you know, I didn't really like Houston and I felt like it was a, uh, a dead end job. And, um, you know, uh, because I wanted I wanted to be who I am today. And so I, I, I left there and pursued, uh, you know, I got a job with the costume shop. And after three years, I uh, opened my own shop in this very space, you know, with a sewing machine in the back. And <laughs> but I, you know, I always look at these situations in a person's life that I, I think of it as like almost a it's a wonderful life type of moments. Mm -hmm. uh, when you are, you feel, you know, that or you feel that you're in a dead end job uh, in Houston. Do you think that New York was always the goal plan for you, uh, even if your boyfriend at that point had not been in New York? Um, actually, yes, I, 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 uh, um, uh, I was. I, I moved to Houston knowing that I was going to move to New York. I mean, I, uh, I, I just didn't think that I wanted to move to New York right out of college. I, 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 I'm, 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 and I, I, I managed to come into New York on a higher level. I don't know how to say that. <laughs> no, good for you. That's great. And, uh, um, Yesterday I had Danny Goggin on the show and uh -huh. he, you know, from nonsense. And he talked about these moments in his life when he got into his first Broadway show, he didn't have to struggle. He called the Merrick office, got an audition and got cast in the show. Yes. Uh, and then, you know, uh, when nonsense came about, uh, you know, when he created that, these things were just falling into place. And I believe uh, the Jewish expression is beshert. And I think <laughs> that this is beshert. I mean, yes. it's meant to be that you came into New York uh, with this uh, dust under your feet, so to speak. Yeah. Yes. So when you got to New York and you, did you, how did you find the space that became your eventual business? Oy vey. I mean, uh, so that's, I mean, um, so uh, 
CL, my boyfriend, it's his initial C period L period CL. Um, and, uh, uh, poor thing. He, um, he passed away in 1993 from AIDS and, uh, you know, that's, uh, and so, um, uh, he had gotten, he had, uh, uh, a fantastic eye for color and so the um uh the he got he started doing extra hours at this dye company that uh was called 2020 colorists and um uh the owner her name was marie marie hilgerman and so she um uh she was on the seventh floor she wanted to expand her business she moved down to the fifth floor and um eventually poor thing um developed uh, a form of cancer and uh died you know and mm -hmm. left the business to cl and uh so um at, when she was dying she said you know eric if you wanted to open that you know work in the back room uh of the the space the space is an incredible space it's uh it's uh it it's a full city block long and it, um, you know, it fronts on 20th street. It's back on, uh, 19th. And so, um, you know, I had, there was a little alcove and so that's where I set up and, uh, I did the, I did the heiress with Cherry Jones out of that space. Wow. I, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, um, you know, I mean, it, the space doesn't matter. I mean, you know, it's what's in your brain. It's, it's your imagination. Absolutely. But when you've got the space and you've got the talent, obviously. Um, how do you start acclimating yourself in the world of theater uh, with the work that you do? Because okay, so the costume shop that I worked at, one, uh, she, uh, that went out of business. And one of the, one of the uh, last customers that... Uh, that boss had was Patricia Ziprod and uh, who designed Fiddler on the Roof and Cabaret and uh, Chicago, the original production. And uh, I was, uh, we were doing things for Ballet Hispanico and she was, um, I just, I was in love with her. She was just the best. And she's like got a Mrs. Roper from Three's Company thing going on, but she's got incredible gift, right? And uh, uh, she, uh, so she was doing Shogun the musical, okay? <laughs> if you I remember it. That. Yes, I okay, remember All right. So, <laughs> so I remember the size of that contract. It was $30,000. It was 1991, maybe. And yeah, so, that time, yeah. so somehow her assistant turned out to be this gentleman named David Charles. And uh, David Charles was uh, always known as Jane Greenwood's assistant. And Jane had had some health problems. And... David had to go find a job. He ended up being on Shogun the Musical. And I had 30 ninja costumes that I had to make. So I came in contact. And one day, David looked at me and he said, I have someone that I think you should meet. And uh, that was Jane. And so when Jane recovered, uh, she got, uh, you know, she came back to work. And uh, they called and they brought a show in. And um, uh, that was my... Uh, real, that was the door opening. The thrust into the business. Yeah. So when you first started 
how many employees did you have working with you? Or uh, well, me. And, uh, <laughs> and, then, and then, how, did the, how did you do those 30? And did you have a deadline? I'm sure you did. Sure. Getting those 30 ninja costumes done. Well, I had about, I had four people then, you know, freelancers. And uh, um, they, you know, they helped me out. And, uh, you know, um, and, you uh, you know, I would hire them back and uh, as as uh, as I needed them. There were slow periods, and um, uh, and then I, um, you know, eventually I had to move out of that space because CL died, and uh, that whole company fell apart. The the twenty twenty colors turned into a different company. Da, 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 da. And so I had to move out, and so I moved out, uh, uh, and then. And then by that time, my business had to be legitimized, you know, and my account was like, I think you need to incorporate. I think you need to, you know, um, you know, we uh, I couldn't uh, I had to uh, withhold taxes. You know, I had, it, it, it had to become a real company. And uh, so, yeah, I want to um, go back for a moment. Um, and, and I hope you don't mind me going here for no, a I don't care. No. Uh, but with CL passing away, and I and I remember, I can't even imagine what that was like for you to go through that. Uh, mm. But because I know what it was like to lose so many friends at that time. Yes. Uh, but you are trying to get a career started, uh, to get moving, and then you're dealing with this at the same time. If you can, I know it's fortitude, but what gets you through all of that, and what keeps you going? Well, I mean, I can tell you what it is. It's, I have to make a living. I, you know, I'm not, uh, I haven't been blessed with a, a, a trust fund or anything like that. And um, especially uh, during uh, CL's whole thing. I mean, that was, that, that was all done and over with in five months. I, it was yeah. a, it was a complete shock to my, uh, you know, he, we had, would have a new year's day party and he was like, I think I'm going to, you know, lie down, you know, after the party. And, uh, you know, and then he woke up again and he didn't know his name. And by May, that was it. You know, I mean, it was really, a, uh, uh, you know, but he had his own career that he was a, a set and costume designer. And he, you know, worked um, at Dime Fabric and uh, had design jobs on the side. But, you know, at that time, uh, uh, you know, Jane and David had uh, the, the the production of She Loves Me at the Roundabout with Judy Kuhn and, uh, right? I mean, I was <laughs> I was doing that while I was, you know, uh, running to the hospital and getting him out and, you know, doing all this stuff and making sure the nurse uh, showed up. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was a very, uh, it was a bad period of time. I mean, I, I was, you know, making all sorts of mistakes and, you know, um, but uh, I mean, you know, I mean, it was it was like the first real loss I had ever suffered, and uh, and you know, I mean, um, I don't know, it was a lot, and so uh, I can't even imagine. Uh, but you you know that you what you've got to do to survive and to keep going. Yeah. So you get your business started, um, and how do you start to get clients? I mean, is it word of mouth? Uh, did you campaign to get the clients? How does that begin in the early stages of your business? Uh, it's word of mouth. 
you know, and um, uh, in addition to Jane, I knew some other people, uh, designers that, you know, uh, that, um, and, you know, Jane uh, retired from Yale recently. So, uh, you know, she would tell her students that were graduating with shows to come to me. And, um, you know, uh, uh, so, I mean, um, you know, it just, uh, it slowly builds and, um, you know, I, um, I don't even think about it, right? <laughs> was, there, was there a moment where you felt like, uh, you know, I've arrived, I've established who I desire to be, and you know, or is it something that you're still striving for? No, 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 no. I, I, I can tell you when that was. I, I know exactly when it was. I was right. working on Nabucco at the Metropolitan Opera, and uh, <laughs> and um, uh, I think it was uh, Juan Pons uh, played Nabucco, and we had we had made his costume, and I was sitting there watching him sing his aria, and I thought. I don't know that it gets higher than this. And wow. <laughs> I mean, whatever dreams I've got, this is it. I mean, and and then uh, you know, um I mean, and then there's other, you know, there's just other things like um uh like Anne Roth is is besties with Meryl Streep. And so like when we, we were doing Mama Me, she got she was doing the film of Mama Mia and I got to meet Meryl and you know that sort of thing. And she had to meet you. Yeah, right. Well, I mean <laughs> great, great person. Great, you know, and uh and you know people on that level, you know, I mean, forget the Metropolitan Opera, the <laughs> You know, Again, it's like you said yes. at the beginning of the conversation that you know, the you know, it's the rubbing elbows where your business is taking off and you're getting known in the business. Um, COVID aside, um, were mm. there any low points that you really, I mean, really went through during those years, um, or was it pretty much smooth sailing from that point on? No, no. I mean, we've had a lot of uh, um, different um setbacks like you know the the season after 9 11 um you know that day was not a good day and uh it um uh the it was like not the next spring but the following spring there was like no one had made any plans for shows which was very unusual. You know, there was like, the phone didn't ring for that entire spring after, you know, a year after 9-11. Um, there was Hurricane Sandy, you know, um, uh, that, you know, sort of, um, I, I didn't have electricity for... <laughs> uh, uh, where, I mean, you know, did you, you know, suffer any damage because of Sandy? No, not, not, not personal damage. Just, I couldn't, I had to go to one of my competitors one day. I was like, I have to borrow a table space. Uh, can, you, can, you, can you help me out here? I, I, I promise I won't look at anything. And, uh, uh, you know, my, uh, when we had the blackout, uh, you know, I had to get my sister's wedding. They were all due to come up and I was supposed to have bridesmaid fittings, you know, and I'm like, I don't know if you can come up. I mean, she, and she was started. I'm like, look, I can't do it in the dark. I don't know what to <laughs> Luckily, the lights went on and, you know, the wedding was well, saved. I want to go back to 9-11 for a moment because when 9-11 happened, uh, and I was doing a lot of entertaining at the time, I was scheduled to go uh, two weeks after to Canada. And 
everything froze. I mean, you didn't feel, for me, I didn't feel like I could pick up the phone and call people to say, hey, I've got a show that I think you should book. I right. mean, it was just not the time. And we're in this, you know, time in this country. And in COVID somehow gave me the same eerie feeling that when is the next shoe going to drop? Because yes. that's what it felt like. My husband, who is a landscape architect, luckily for him, his business began to thrive yes. both times because his clients wanted to keep busy and they wanted something to occupy them. Yes. So, but for myself in the arts, it was a completely different ball of wax. Um, from where you stood, was it the same feeling? Well, they were very different, I will tell you, because the 9-11... Um, uh, we still had projects and, uh, uh, you know, we had like a Don Giovanni for Pittsburgh Opera or something, I think I remember. And, um, you know, all of that. So, you know, the next morning, it's funny about tragedies in New York, the way that it takes them a couple days to sort of figure out what where you're allowed to go, what you're allowed to do. And, you know, and I mean, I came to the shop the next morning and uh, I had people waiting outside for me to open up, you know, after that, it was more difficult to come into the city and, you know, get things done. And so I'm not quite sure I remember much after that, but with the pandemic, with the pandemic, that was a whole other story. That was, uh, well, let's go back there for a moment because yeah. everything set, uh, shut down on March 12th. I remember that's when everything shut down. Yes. Um, what did your calendar and schedule look like when everything shut down in the industry? We had received so many deposits for upcoming shows. You have no idea. And we were right in the middle. We were right beginning uh, the Gilded Age. We were due to start uh, filming. I had had Louisa Jacobson in uh, for a fitting two days earlier. Um, I was supposed to go to Tokyo for uh, Frozen. And, um, you know, and one of the things that I've learned in my life is producers, when they give you a deposit, they think that you take that money and you put it in a little box and go and bury it in the backyard. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, nothing could be further from the truth. And so what I wanted to make sure is that when it all came back, that uh, I had the goods hanging there on the rack that were what they have given me money for. I tried very diligently to do that. And so... Uh, a lot of uh, my employees wanted to work from home, and so they had their own little home studios, so they took things home. I have a picture on my Instagram of uh, one of uh, Marion's dresses from Gilded Age um, on the dress form uh, going to Cora's house. It's, uh, you know, I mean, they were com completely devoted, and, um, uh, you know, uh, when this, when everything shut down, I mean, if you remember, we thought it was two weeks. Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> and so that's why we were keeping moving. And then by the time July hit, I just thought, you know, everyone still has that uh, extra pay that they're getting on unemployment. I'm like, we should just take July off because it was pretty clear that uh, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel was going to start back up in September. The Gilded Age was going to start up in September. Theater wasn't really coming back quite yet, but um, uh 
you know, uh, there was no difference, as I say, uh, from uh, paying people to do work or taking the money and throwing it out the window because we <laughs> we had enough. Uh, we, there was enough time for us to get back on track. So we just uh, we just took July off, uh, you know. Um, how, uh, how far into the throes of the Gilded Age were you when everything shut down? Um, uh, we were we were really just starting. We had done uh, Marion at that time. Marion was our character, uh, and then as time went on, we picked up other characters. But um, we had started in December on a couple of uh, things, you know, and it all had to do with. The scripts being written you know and so the um uh so that's how they're designing the clothes is is what they need you know and so um uh so we had we had i don't know five or six things for marion and we were we were ready to move forward but we also we were in the middle of um this upcoming show that's probably going to be in the spring once upon a one more time mm -hmm. uh and then um uh uh I literally, the last picture I took was of Rachel's uh, first um, pattern. Uh, we had just received our first um, uh, sketch for Mrs. Maisel the next season. So all of that, I mean, we had a full plate of things ready to start. And, um, you know, we I, I, I was hopping up and down. I didn't know what I was. <laughs> uh, you know, at any given time, I mean, what is the most uh, in terms of the number of projects that you have going at the same time? Oh, I... I, I can't even, I, I, I mean, it, well, first of all, it's impossible to, to count, like, because like, you know, uh, we have, we have things on hold, we have things that we're doing, we have things that uh, we've just shipped, and we have to still do the understudies, we, you know, there's, uh, you know, we, I have, a, I always have a bunch of things uh, going on. You know, and and then people tell me things, and I'm like, okay, so is that happening? Or you know, <laughs> you know, so I have a couple of questions that you know from our viewers that I want to go to. But first, yeah. I want to first of all acknowledge Rosa Puzo, because Rose yes. Puzo um, is uh, who I love dearly uh, is responsible for your being here tonight. Yes, she is. Yes, she said you've got to have him on the show, and. Uh, and I think that she started falling in love with uh, the designs that you were doing. Uh, she'll correct me if I'm wrong. For Melissa Erico, yes, and absolutely. they are stunning. I mean, first of all, I mean, talk about. I mean, that. I mean, she's a goddess as far as her beauty is concerned. But you enhance it even further with your work. So, how did the two of you start working together? Well, first of all, is, how is Rose feeling? Is she Rose is doing much better? I will tell everybody, um, uh, she is taking care of herself. Uh, okay. She is doing what she needs to do to get better. As I say to her, and I am going to say it as she's listening right now, we take it one day at a time. Yes, and we Absolutely. don't think about the big picture. We're thinking about what do you need to do today. Yes, I and she's in better. Uh, She's not going anywhere because I need her. Yeah, she. Uh, she okay. Yeah, she's one day at a time, and we're going to make it. Uh, chemo is coming, as she says. Oh, but okay. uh, she's going you to need be, strength. You need real strength. She's, be, she's got it, and she's going to be great. She's going to be better than ever. So, Rose, I love you. Uh, so, but to answer your question, Melissa and I met on High Society. 
in, I think that was 96 and um, uh, designed by Jane. And um, that was the first, uh, you know, industry-wide bid thing. And I got the bid and uh, everybody was uh, irritated at me. And so I, I think I did an okay job. And um, uh, uh, Melissa, you know, um, you know, like it's funny in this shop that like we have acupuncturists upstairs. One day the elevator door opened and there was Melissa. She's like, hi, Eric. And, <laughs> and so uh, slowly she's been just, you know, uh, approaching me like, I just can't find anything to wear. And, I'll, you know, and uh, I think, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm going to do because, uh, you know, I can't just make concert gowns uh, pro bono. And, you know, it's a real that's a tricky thing because. Uh, and uh, and as I've gotten to know her, I'm, I mean, the number of concerts that she does, I mean, this girl needs a full wardrobe, no joke. Well, I have to say this. Did you see her video a few weeks ago when she was all set to do the show? Yes. I felt terrible for her. Oh, I, I mean, Melissa, uh, if you're watching this, I mean, a, a grown man cried. I said yes. and I cried for her because there she was. Was it in Indiana? I think. She yes, was. Iowa. Iowa. Yeah. Ready to do a concert, and it was rained out outdoor concert. Yes, and she couldn't go on, but she looked stunning. She did. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, first of all, you start with pretty, you end with pretty, and uh, you know she is a beautiful, beautiful woman, and uh, you know, I mean, um, and she was so wonderful uh, writing that article for me, and uh, you know. Uh, um, because for me that the dress wasn't, I, I, you know, it, it, it sort of, it got everybody from A to B. Right. And it just, it was uh very straight for me. It was very straightforward. And I, I, I'm like, Melissa, I can just go and get this fabric. I know where it is and I can just, you know, go get it. And then she said, um, I'm going to write a story about you for the New York times. And I thought, what is she saying? I mean, <laughs> and there I am sitting in my front yard planting daffodil bulbs, right? And sitting on a rock and she's uh, reading me the article that, and, and you just, you don't expect that from someone like her, that she, this is so well-written. This is so, so, I mean, she interviewed me, you know, I mean, she, it was all all true. I, I I was like I was completely uh, overwhelmed by it, and uh, you know, and I, I couldn't really. You never know what comes of things like that. And I, I opened the New York Times. I was like, I went to Michael, my husband, and I, and I woke him up. I'm and I said, Do you know anybody that's on the front page of the art section today in the New York Times? <laughs> Good for you. Uh, I have another question. Uh, this is yeah. from Danielle, who is a designer herself. And yes. she says, um, she wonders as an artist, how did you go about trusting or building a team to help with the, the, your designs? Well, there have been many, many people uh, that we've worked with. And so um, you... Uh, uh, um, you you just have to get to know people, and uh, uh, and we have this thing. Um, I have all sorts of people from all different uh, backgrounds and walks of life, and people that are graduate students and uh, 
you know, they're interns in college or at FIT and or they just arrived here from we had someone, a refugee from Ukraine um, that needed a job. We gave her a job, you know, also uh, a lot of Russian people, a lot of um, uh, uh, Spanish speaking people. Uh, I have someone, a gentleman from Korea, you know, just uh, a wide diversity of people. And um, uh, and you talk with pins, right? We're all here to make uh, beautiful things. And I can assure you that they come in the door and that's what they want. They want to do that. And so I'm here to give it to them. And so, you know, um, you know, the custom beating, all of that, it, it's just, they're, they're really, what keeps them interested is they're always learning something, um, you know? And so, uh, you know, you build that trust, you build that, um, that, um, relate those relationships with people you know i have people that have worked here for 20 years so i am it's a testament i don't think i'm i'm personally old enough to have employees that are 20 years old but. well <laughs> I'm, I'm a lot older than you are it happens <laughs> so um yeah funny girl is also another show that you are currently yeah. uh, going to see it tomorrow night yes oh uh, congratulations <laughs> uh how many productions are you currently involved with that are currently on Broadway? Um, I, I'm not sure. Um, I, I I don't keep track of them. I, I mean, like Leopold Stott, we just did, and uh, Funny Girl, and um, uh, um, I, I'm, 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 I don't know, uh, Wicked always, and uh, we're working on K-pop. Uh, that's going to be exciting. That's going to be great, mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, and... Uh, uh, some like it hot. That's uh, starting up. Oh, that's and, exciting. Yeah. So, I that, so I'm very all sorts of different things. And so, um, yeah. Um, I want to ask I'm you. My, that's why I have my husband Michael around. I when people say, "What are you working on?" I I am like, I look at him. I go, "What are you working on?" And <laughs> um, how are you able to divide the two? I mean, I mean, do you have? A, a typical uh, not that there's such thing in this business as a typical but a nine to five type of a routine and then you come home and shut it down or how are you able to keep the two separated which two the personal life and the, the personal life and the career well uh i would have to say that there's not really uh uh let me just say i've i've i have one life and it's all of that. And so uh, I don't try to keep them separate. You know, um, we uh, were lucky enough to build a ho house uh, three years ago upstate in New York. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, the one thing that, you know, my conditions, it couldn't have a double yellow line on the street in front of it. And uh, I had to have the Eric room. And so, uh, <laughs> so I have... You know, I mean, some weekends I'm up, I'm there, uh, uh, you know, doing my patterning work uh, and getting things ready for Monday morning. And, um, you know, I've been very fortunate to, that Michael has uh, come on as my managing director. Um, I don't know that I would have made it through the pandemic uh, financially without him here, you know, with all the PPP loans and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, uh, you know, he's... He's very smart that way. And so, uh, you know, so we don't really have boundaries that way. I'll be like, 
did you hear what the you know <laughs> you know and just that's just our life you know and uh and it's pretty great i mean you know and um uh yeah no i uh wake up at uh 3.30 in the morning, I come in here for about an hour. I uh, The gym, if I go out the back door here, the gym's right there. And I go and work out for about an hour and uh, then run home, get the dog and uh, come in. And uh, uh, that's usually by about eight. And uh, uh, by five, 5.30, I'm done. I'm <laughs> I don't want to talk to anybody, I'm done. And, I can uh, imagine. Well. Um, <laughs> As we begin to wind down, I mean, this, I mean, thank you, first of all, for being here tonight. This is, well, of course, crazy. yes. Um, I hope it's been interesting and fun for you. Sure. Uh, but um, I always do a giveaway each night, and, uh, and I have a word of the day, and the word that I pulled uh, today uh, was diversity. And mm -hmm. diversity is right now in, you know, the theater is really getting on board and everything. I want to ask you, um, do you feel that there has always been diversity in your end of the business, or do you feel that this is something that is gradually getting with the program? Um, I'm not quite sure. Um, I, uh, I'll, like I say, I always have a wide variety of people that, um, uh, that come in to work. And so, um, uh, so there's a lot of different uh, types of people. Um, a lot of people want to come in and they want to be designers. And so uh, we usually, uh, you know, I'm looking for people that are technicians that are craftspeople. And um, that usually uh, uh, divides people because um, it's like being a, a musician in an orchestra. You you have to know how to play the clarinet to, in order to, um, you know, uh, to be part of it. So um, it doesn't, um, it doesn't matter to me, you know, uh, where you're from, or if you speak English, or, you know, I mean, it, it's about, it's about the, it's about the music you play. I mean, it's about the, what, what you can make and what you bring to the table. So that's great. Um, I've got some wind down questions. And these are just random questions, just okay. part of it. And the first question is, believe it or not, I pulled this card. And it said, what was the worst haircut that you've ever had? What was the worst? <laughs> it was not to be when I was in sixth grade and I asked my mother if I could cut my hair myself. And uh, <laughs> I thought, Is that a true story? Yes. And I thought I had done a good job. And my brother, Jeff, was like, I don't know what you did. I, it... <laughs> did you? Well, I have to ask you, did you ever fall asleep with chewing gum? Because I was no, no, no. full of chewing gum once, so no. I had to shave everything off. I don't um, really chew gum, yeah. So this is a this is called an impact card, and it yes. says, uh, and it's a statement. So I'm going to read the statement, and then you go with it. Um, the statement is, "I'm comfortable expressing my uncomfortable emotions." Is that a true statement about you, or I'm not? Comfortable expressing my uncomfortable emotions. I mean, not all of them, no, but I mean, you know. Probably not here, but you okay. know. <laughs> Damn it, you know. So. <laughs> I mean, ask me anything, I'll probably tell you the answer, you know. <laughs> so, and I love this card. It's called an imagine card. I'm going to read yeah. it. And it says, use the word imagine to draw someone into your vision. Uh, for example, start your presentation with imagine a world where, then you finish the statement. 
the word imagine makes a person open to their mind, to their scenarios. I know that designers come to you and they want you to build their product. Mm -hmm. When do you feel that you've been the most imaginative in your career? Well, right now, the most imaginative, I, I mean, I have something coming up that uh, is uh, pretty great. People think I, uh, the, I think the most imaginative so far was the, uh, the frozen breakaway dress. And, um, you know, I, I have uh, good ideas and it either comes to me or not. And, uh, you know, um, that, that sort of was uh, a real, a real great thing uh, for me, you know, and, uh, but, you know, I have, uh, well, I was going to say I have things like that every day, but not on that level and not, not like, where I was, I was standing there and boy, I sure hope this works. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so do the people. It doesn't work. I, I, I don't have a plan B. So, <laughs> so next question, what is the most surprising action that you feel that you've ever taken in your career? What is the most surprising thing? Um, well, it would have to be right now, the new space that we're moving into. Um, you know, I was perfectly content to be in this space for, uh, the next 10 years or when I, you know, finish out my career, my, into my retirement here. And, um, Michael was like, we have to move. We need a better space. And to have, uh, to have someone say that to me. Uh, you know, and that we're, you know, we deserve something better. That that is fantastic. And so, uh, yeah, I just went with it, and we're we're waiting for our HVAC system to be installed. And once that happens, we're we're moving moving on up. <laughs> moving on up. Well, congratulations, on that, you know, <laughs> and continued success for that. Um, this next question: When you were a child, did you fit the mold of a perfect child? No. I, I, I mean, no, I was a freak. And so, I, I mean, you have to imagine, I, you know, um, I was the youngest of four boys. Uh, they were all athletic and, you know, I have a certain level of athleticism, but once I started sewing, that was like, I, you know, I mean, my brothers, of course, you know, once I, once, once it was decided that I knew what I was doing, they were like, on board, right? I mean, I've suddenly got jeans to hem and the knees to patch and, you know, all of that. But, uh, I mean, it was like, that was like a level of normalcy. But uh, <laughs> there was that period in there where, you know. Well, I was the oldest of four. <laughs> and growing up in Conway, South Carolina, thinking I was Carol Channing's spawn. So <laughs> you can imagine what my parents thought. Oh, I'm, uh, yeah. The show so, tunes, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, oh, and I sang them all. Uh, what boundaries do you create around the people in your life when it comes to your career? What boundaries do I create? Um, well, I mean, um, uh, one of the things people always want to know is how much things cost. And uh, I, I don't, I, I don't, that's not part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. Because because that's all it becomes about then afterwards. And I, I want it to be not about money, mm -hmm. um, even though everything in this world is about money. 
Mm-hmm. So it's it has to be about the art. Good for you. Um, this, and now this is an interesting. What true crime have you been most tempted to commit? <laughs> what true crime? Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, I've I've been arrested. I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> well, that, that may be another story. Yeah, that <laughs> is another story. And so, um, uh, I don't know. I mean, um. I, I don't know. I'm I, I I've been accused of having a lead foot. I <laughs> so you know I I like to uh, I keep the the Waze app on and uh, you know I uh, um. wow uh, <laughs> okay when did you break the rules at a time in your career that propelled you forward? Oh, I think that was when I uh, when I started sewing in the back. That was. Uh, um, uh, you know, I, I was a non-union shop, um, and, uh, continue to be, and, uh, there are no more union shops in the city. So, um, you know, Oh, good. You know, yeah. Um, what are you most angry about in today's world? Oh, uh, I think I can say this without getting, I mean, the whole, you, you can right, say, you can say whatever you want to say the whole right wing of the country. I mean, that makes me, uh, I mean, from, well, there are are alternative facts that day, uh, all the way down to, um, you know, our present day where, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I can't even begin to imagine Mm -hmm. that suddenly rights that you have were suddenly taken away. I mean, imagine if, you know, suddenly interracial marriage or a woman's right to vote, they decide, let's take that away. I mean, (laughs) well, Marjorie Taylor Greene last night, I'm going to go there for a moment. She made this whole speech about other cultures coming to our country and taking away everything so that their culture will take over. And, and I, as I was listening to this, I'm thinking, what are you afraid of? I mean, there's not a culture out there that I would be afraid to be a part of, you know, unless it's, you know. What, what are we other than, uh, uh, you know, what is the melting pot? What is, you know, uh, we are a, 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 a country of, of, uh, of diverse cultures that, well, um, you know, so. I mean, and, um, I mean, what is jazz? It's the only pure American art form. Where did it come from? I mean, it's not, uh, you know, it's it's from it's from that level of diversity. It's from, uh, you know, that the, the, this country is great for. And I just people like that that they they exist to fan the flames of hatred and uh, uh, and and you know, I mean, okay, so liberal elite here, I guess, you know, I mean, I believe in education, I believe in, you know, in knowledge, and I believe in, you know, crazy things like math, and, uh, you know, and sure, you can twist it to be, but I mean, her lack of education, and that people are listening to her, I just don't understand, I mean, um, (laughs) absolutely not. Um, On another course, uh, what turned out to be the most useful course that helped you in your career? Oh, that's the obvious. 
I got one for you. Okay. Yeah, no, I went uh, shopping on the internet one day for a timbre hook and discovered that the um, Ecole Lesage in Paris offered classes um, uh, in custom beading. And um, I uh, spent $500 and went to Paris and had a wonderful vacation and learned how to bead at the Ecole Lesage. Uh, uh, I mean... I, I was over the moon and I, I, I'm not actually, you know, the craft of beating. I'm not really the person, I'm not your go-to man. I, I, uh, but it freed my brain. It just completely, I, I, I suddenly, this big mystery that had been there for so long, just, just evaporated. It was, uh, one of the most wonderful experiences I could have given myself. Michael and I went over to Paris. We had a vacation and, um, I had, I don't know, four hours of class, four days in a row. I mean, I made a little butterfly. <laughs> well, good for you. Well, that's wonderful. Um, what smile uh, in this, um, what smile in the business other than uh, your husband's uh-huh. and, uh, <laughs> and Melissa Erico's right. can seduce you the most? Oh, uh um, I'll tell you what it is when you're in a fitting and, uh, uh, everyone's happy at what, what, uh, they're wearing <laughs> that, you know, you've, you've interpreted the sketch, right. They, uh, you know, it's probably a second or third fitting everything that you've done. They've asked for, you know, everything they've asked for you've done and everyone's happy, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's a really great time because you really can start off in a complete fog because you have a sketch here, you have uh, an, an actor here who says, well, I can't really, I'm not going to be able to work in that, you know? And so you have to start, you have to get busy. So. Wow. That's wonderful. Now this, this is going to be my last question. And the okay. question, um, I do not want you to give any names okay. or any circumstances that will give this away. But the question is, what is the biggest injustice that you feel that you've ever encountered in your career? And what got you through that? What's the biggest injustice? I'm not sure. Um, You know, uh, people think that uh, what we do shouldn't take a long time or should cost a lot of money. And so, uh, you know, I have people that um, I think every person that works here has asked for a raise in the last year. And, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough, that's the tough part of my job. And so, uh, you know, it's convincing people that um, things cost money. So. Well, welcome to my world. (laughs) Things cost money folks. But I'm going to give away a special, I'm going to uh, give something away in honor of Angela Lansbury tonight. It'll be a surprise to whoever who wins tonight. But thank you all for being here. And we'll see Natasha Lombardi. Uh, Natasha in Portland, Maine. She is a huge supporter of mine. I love you, Natasha. Thank you for being here, uh, as always. And uh, we'll uh, chat a little later. You got something coming your way. We'll talk before I send it. Um, I want to thank you for being here tonight. Um, yes, it's been to, wonderful. Uh, before, I'm, I'm sorry. No, you go. 
I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say my final words, and then I'm gonna give you the final uh, word. You've got the screen to yourself. Anything you want to say about anything that we talked about tonight that you want to build upon, anything that you, we didn't talk about that you thought we should have, or just any message you want to leave everyone with tonight. Um, and then when you say goodbye, the credits will roll, so you don't have to worry about how am I going to end this thing. So uh, I'll take care of that. But I want to thank everybody for being here tonight. And as I said, um, I pulled the word diversity uh, because I was thinking about this thing last night that uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene said. And it, and it really, I, I want, want to have a conversation. Whether she would listen to me or not is inconsequential. But just to sit and look her in the eye and say, what is it that you're afraid of? Because to me, and one of the things that I love about this business is how everyone brings their history and everything about themselves to the table. And if we're open to each other, uh, we can celebrate everyone's diversity, uh, regardless of what your sexual orientation is, uh, your race, everything. I don't book this show based on colors or you know, status or I treat everyone on the same playing field. I think those of you who follow me know that. And I think that we all have something to bring to the table. And that's what I want to celebrate. As I end tonight's show, I always say to everyone, go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Go to your Facebook friends list and reach out to the ninth person. Eric, I want you to do the same thing. Reach out to the ninth person on your list and reach out with a phone call. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call. And let that person know what they mean to you. Um, after Angela's passing was announced today, everyone started going on and posting their pictures with her and their stories and their favorite uh, episodes. And I'm thinking, wouldn't it have been great if that was happening a week ago when there was no reason for us to go into this road? So let's celebrate each and every person, each and every day. As my dear friend, Sean Moniger says, we're all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. You never know what someone else is going through right now. But I always say, and you all know this, if you're gonna go out in a boat, make sure you bring a skipper along. <laughs> so Eric, I'm gonna leave the screen, it's all yours, and I hope that you'll come back someday. I just oh, love it. Oh, very sweet. Thank well, you so thank much, you it's all yours. Thank you very much for inviting me, Richard. It was a wonderful evening. And uh, yes, I'm, uh, diversity is the key and it's, uh, it's what this country is about. It's what's made this country great. And um, anyway, I'll talk to everyone later. Thank you.